So here's the situation. I'm mm. trying to avoid a maximum number of people while doing laundry. So I've been doing laundry during the week, but that doesn't really jibe with my normal schedule. So where I'm at now is I'm down to two pairs of underwear, both of which I purchased in Japan. And oh. in Japan, the mm. sizes are different. So these underwear do not fit. <laughs> okay. Oh man, Russ. I am just all over the place. Russ, I, I think you're hard up there, but I had no idea. <laughs> Russ, I hate thinking about where the underwear goes on you. Uh, you know, it basically goes everywhere. <laughs> I like to imagine that it's not that they're too small. It's that they're so big that you have built a canopy uh, in which you live now. Just, you yeah, it's more of a no poncho, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, that's that's the dream is a canopy. Oh, wait a minute, Russ. I thought that was a Papazon chair. No, you, you've, <laughs> Get you've out of there, woven your, under, your giant underwear. We can see you. <laughs> My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best virtual game of the week. <laughs> My name is Russ Freshick, and I know the best game of the week that no one's ever going to play. Welcome to the Besties, where we celebrate the latest and greatest in electronic interactive entertainment. Uh, it is a, a game of the year show that goes all year round it is a book club but for video games game of the year besties. meets king of the hill i don't know who came up with that but i kind of like it it's the game same of the year shit meets king of the hill is good except it is a descriptor of the show we did two years ago <laughs> not yeah. this one at all yeah well, but it also, doesn't matter i don't I even know it, why i say game of the year i mean it doesn't matter it, the, we don't compete that the games don't compete they do eventually ha, ha, Maybe if half Maybe, my balance. Can you uh, imagine yeah, if more book clubs operated like this? How right. nasty it would get in the neighborhood. Calling this club is better than fried green tomatoes. <laughs> Calling this episode a book club also feels wildly disingenuous because we invite you to play the games along with us. And in the case of Half Life, Alex, we're essentially saying like, "Hey, you've got like forty five hundred dollars, right?" Hey, you guys! You guys have like twenty six hundred dollars to drop on the tech required to join us in this virtual environ. Yes, even if you uh, have the money right now, there's no guarantee that you can play the game that we're talking right. about this week because the gear is sold out everywhere. Yeah, that's uh, wild. Yeah, so speaking of, speaking of gear, so we're going to talk about Half Life, Alex. To frame this discussion, real quick, let's go around the horn. What um what like uh setup hardware setup <laughs> were you using? Uh, I'm uh, using a uh, Quest that I'm using the Oculus Link on, uh, which works and has worked shockingly well. I built like a new sort of top of the line PC in January, and since then, like so, it it's is, outdated. No. Yeah, it's already outdated. <laughs> but no, it, it, since then, like it works better than like when I had the like uh, Vive Pro, like whatever. I forget. I've had so many fucking headsets at this point. It is the it is the best feeling one I've had so far, and I think it's just by virtue of the like. PC it is connected into. And so you're basically, ran- just so people are aware, the, the Quest uh, can be connected via USB. That's what the Oculus Link is to right. like any desktop, even though it traditionally is used for like a mobile wireless experience. If you're playing a hardcore game, you can yes. wire it up. Uh, yeah, so it it uh, no joke. Like I get like a GPU warning every time I start up the game. It's like, hey, just a heads up, you might uh, this might affect things. But it is it is fucking butter smooth. Yeah, no I latency. think it might be looking at like the maybe it's looking at the hardware on the 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 Quest or something because I get the same uh, I get the same alert every so time I start. You're the on game. the same setup, Juice. I am on the same setup. Only only weird hiccup I've had with it is that the and this is very specific, but the Quest maps my position wherever i plug it in initially and i can't update my position in the room so it thinks that the center of my play space is like basically right in front of my computer where i have plugged the headset in you have to go through like the steam vr app preferences i had to do it once and it's like very arcane and i can talk you through it but yeah that's that's not wild (laughs) because with just the regular oculus quest you just hold in the oculus button and it automatically resets around you so it's it's wild once you're in the game it doesn't matter that much except i'm afraid to walk around because i'm like standing right next to my yeah uh uh computer but yes that is my setup i'm on an og oculus rift um, I borrowed the Oculus Quest, but I do not have the USB cable for it, so I am using an OG Oculus Rift. And I'm using a uh, original Oculus Rift with a completely unrealistic uh, GTX 2080 Ti and a top of the line Intel CPU. Does the original so. Oculus Rift know what to do with that? 
Uh, it, it, it surprisingly, once you get it to work, it took me probably three hours to get documents set up. So, uh, here's a fun thing that I did not understand. Uh, Griffin very generously loaned me, uh, an Oculus Quest to, like, play around with. And I've, like, really enjoyed it. Oculus Quest uses Oculus Touch Controllers. So does the right. Oculus Rift, right? Yeah. Except they don't work interchangeably. Oh, yeah. No, I knew that. I did so- not know that. So I was trying to pair <laughs> my one set of Oculus Touch controllers versus the other, and it it was a nightmare. Listen, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it, that's we're hanging nightmares. with the we're hanging with the console cowboys in cyberspace right now. This is top of the line tech shit. It's gonna oh, you gotta you gotta boy. have you gotta be real dialed in. I will web. say this: If you are not a dummy, it takes about ten minutes to set up. Uh, <laughs> with that same, <laughs> um, it did, was not hard to set up with an Oculus. I'm going to give uh, a, a uh, real OG. I'm going to give a real quick summary of what this game is. Yeah, Half Life Alex is a prequel of sorts to Half Life Two. It stars Alex. You play as her. She was Alex the, Vance. Alex Vance. She was the uh, AI controlled partner character in Half Life Two. People probably forget this. At the time, having a character that followed you around the game and like it behaved mildly like a human was revolutionary. Um, and, not, and not a pain in the ass. I remember like people made a big deal about the fact that like, oh, you had a companion, but everyone had played these games where you had to like shove this companion through doors and like they were totally weak and pointless. But here she was like a, a real asset. Like she was actually like character building, but also like helpful in fighting and all that stuff. Am I correct in remembering that she would like find ammo and toss it to you, or am I thinking? You know what? Uh, I'm think it's like a shock. Shock. Yeah, I think I honestly think that there's a few like I think that context is going to be really important for this episode. I think the context discussing Half Life Alex, like that conversation, has to be framed by a few other things, and I think one of the big ones is understanding like just how much Half Life Two kind of innovated in in the shooter space, the mm-hmm. 3D like video game space um the like sort of quintessential like if you did not if you missed out on that moment like the quintessential moment of the combine um soldier knocking a can over and then you have to bend down and pick up that can and throw it away in 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 the garbage bin uh and like that being a sort of revelation of the physics engine in this game and just how much shit you can do with it like it there's so much stuff that half-life 2 did that informed literally every yeah. other 3d shooter that came after it the importance of what griffin's talking about uh, is like a double whammy of one yes physics in a shooter or physics really in any game but also mundane physics yeah. so yeah. up until this point it was like yeah we have physics objects they're red barrels uh and they're like limp bodies uh like, it's like a jump like a jumping pad yeah the the the, the hook with half-life was something as mundane as having to throw the trash away is now possible. And where that goes in VR now is you walk into junky office, you know, rooms and you can open every filing cabinet. You can look inside of trash cans. There is a lot of supposedly meaningless physics that you can do in this game. And I think what is like so special about that is it feels like a lived in world, right? Like we're so many games. Trash can on your head. Yeah, yeah, of course. Hell yeah. Giant. I put a, a traffic <laughs> cone on my head the second half. So happened. funny. I have a few qualms with this game as as like a VR thing, but I was not disappointed by the number of times that like I saw a hard hat sitting on the ground. I picked it up and I was like, oh, I'm just going to put this on my head and it goes right on your head. Or there's like yeah. a breather, a rebreather yeah. like sitting on the ground. I'm like, I wonder if I can put this on. And like, I just put it close to my face and it stayed there. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it did not have any sort of mechanical. I thought if I have a, if I have a hard hat on my head, Headcrab shouldn't be able to... I should be good, right? <laughs> we we chat about these games a little bit in the ramp-up to the episode, but try to save the bulk of our discussions. But we have had some, like, glancing uh, uh, talks about this game. And it, it seems there's a little bit of a split uh, with, with Russ and Plant kind of digging it and Griffin and I sort of maybe less digging it. So mm. before we get into less digging... I'd love to hear from Plant and Fresh Dick about like, uh, maybe starting with Fresh, because we heard from Plant, like about what worked for you about sure. this experience. So uh, let me start by saying I am well aware. I mean, for the people that are still listening that are interested in Half-Life, I am well aware that like the Half-Life moment has long since passed. There was a moment about 10 years ago when everyone was super jazzed about Half-Life as a franchise and the bulk of the, I mean, I wouldn't say the majority of the world, but a lot of the people that play video games are Folks that have no affinity for Half-Life. I, uh, you know, I'm an older gentleman. I'm getting up there in my days. 
and I a distinguished, actually a distinguished man about a distinguished town. gentleman what? smoking. Are, are pipes? you talking about Half Life? Are you going to take us down a long walk down an autumnal path <laughs> as the leaves? Um, but I care. I, I like genuinely adored uh, the original Half Life. Uh, Half-Life 2 when it launched it launched with Steam like that was the first game on right. Steam which is a pretty a revelatory moment so I loved Half-Life 2 I loved the episodes and if you recall the episodes were originally planned episode 1 was originally planned oh we're going to do these smaller games and they're going to take 6 months and we're going to put them out and it's going to be great and then episode 2 came out and it's that happened, and then it ended on a horrible cliffhanger. Ten years to learn about the history years. of the Half Life franchise, people. So, just I just wanted to bring up the speed and what, like my affinity for this. Like I was super jazzed when I heard that this, this was happening, even though I realized people might not be. Now, all that being said, the the second that you start this game, the very first thing that you are doing is standing on a balcony overlooking uh, the streets of City Seventeen, which is like the Typical, you know, Half-Life 2 setting. Um, it's like a European style, like uh, quarantine zone kind of setting with uh, alien ships flying overhead and all that stuff. And that moment alone was just like, I'm like in this universe. And then once you realize that you have like a lot of control in terms of not only what you can do with the objects around you, you could pick up stuff and throw it and put it on your head or whatever. Um, just the fact that you can go anywhere. So, uh, you know, uh, within reason, um, there, you know, it's not locked to like specific areas that you can go to. You have essentially complete control, which really lets you play it as like a legit shooter rather than it being like, well, here's this rail, very strict setting that is like kind of typical in um, in VR shooter games, like uh, even super hot. You know, you're essentially locked to individual spots while it's you're playing. Too, yeah, I mean, we're that's that's two completely different genres. That no, we're no, I, I love Super Hot. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it is worth noting, like there are pretty significant differences in how those two these two games play. It feels like a complete world. It, it feels like a complete world. I felt unlike any other VR experience I've ever had, or really any very many um, video game experiences I've ever had. I feel completely immersed in this world. It is a living, breathing grounded despite the aliens grounded <laughs> world um and that is like super empowering and also terrifying and also exciting and and everything about video games so it really has been i think a really exciting thing for me yeah and 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 for me uh, what i love about it is the pace i mean yeah. this is this is not a half-life game at all i mean it, it has the characters of it it has the world of it you can do like physics but in terms of like it is not a shooter in the sense that half-life especially half-life one and really half-life two in episode the episodes are a con like a really intense combat scenario for the first three or four hours sure. is one thing is in the yeah. room and it's terrifying or it is navigating um, uh, a dark corridor that has the uh, where the things with the long tongues are that pull you up towards the ceiling. Yeah, the barnacles. Um, yeah. Or uh, when you finally do actually face off against the the combine, which are the more human like enemies, it'll be two of them, um, and they're like across you know a train track, and yeah. you're like picking them off. What I loved about it was that it did force me to actually slow down. There was a moment where I was in a train car. And uh, I, I think a lot of people probably had a similar experience. You played this game where there are combine waiting outside. And I kept like I died the first time it happened because they just kept just peppering me with bullets. And I realized like I need to kneel down. Like mm -hmm. I just need to kneel um, to hide behind the wall. And then I bashed out the window with my gun and then kind of blind fired, which got them running. And then when they were running, I like looked back up, looked out through the window, put my hand out the window and started firing to like hit them as they were running to get inside of the uh, the train car. And like that feeling of, oh, you know, fighting two people in any other game would just be like, whatever, I pop out of cover and I just shoot them. And like, I take the bullets where in this game, I was thinking about strategy. That's like, I don't, I don't know. What have I seen in a movie? Like how, how do people respond to these like combat scenarios? And that level of role-playing is so fun when it, when it really clicks. Yeah. I do want to real quick, just, uh, just address something that plant said, because, because I think people kind of forget because they view half-life half-life one. I agree with you is a uh, traditional pro predominantly an action game. But people forget that Half-Life 2 and the, the episodes are 
are like half action games and half like physics puzzle games because they physics was the identifying characteristic of those games. And I do think they carry through that in this where there are there are puzzles where there's like a crank and you have to like pull a pull a pole out of the uh, spokes of a wheel to actually be able to crank it like they they I think they uh, wear both of those hats really well. Justin. Um, Yeah, I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah, I was I was fully bought in on it's weird. I I was fully bought in on the stuff Russ is talking about the the interactions in the world all feel cool. Like walking around the world is really neat when you see a tantalizing glimpse of an open world of city 17 before it jams you into a hallways from which you'll never emerge. <laughs> it is very compelling. I don't know what you're you saying that it is an open and you can go wherever you want is honestly the craziest thing I've ever heard anybody say. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You're literally going from A to B and you're led the entire way. No, I mean, I don't mean it's path. an open world game. I mean, like, in the way like do you, you mean like walk. locomotion literally in the space yeah in the space oh okay space. okay that and also visual sense. design that you know it's like i love it super hot it's a series of white quarters that you flash between stages but that's right? but that but there are there are vr games that are open like they are more like half-life 2 in being like a large open world that you have complete freedom to kind of e- e- explore so i i don't know that this is like necessarily shifting the the paradigm i like the physics puzzles especially like like the literal puzzles there's some of you little ones that you use to like unlock doors and stuff that are actually really cool you're like manipulating a globe with one hand and yeah. trying to line up icons and stuff that's that, that stuff's cool where it really fell apart for me and where i eventually was just like i'm not doing this anymore the i just think the encounters they're they're in trying to integrate the VR components, I feel like they have made like encounters much less enjoyable. And I know they're supposed to be like stressful. I just found them irritating. Sure. Um, one example is like the pistol holds X number of bullets. If you, cl- if you drop your clip to reload, you lose those bullets. Mm-hmm. Bullets are extremely scarce. Uh, so you don't want to do that. So you end up in a lot of scenarios where you'll start an encounter and then have to go through the like, I mean, it's 10 seconds, but it, you feel them. They're long 10 to like reload your gun by dropping the clip out, reaching behind you and taking a clip and jamming it in, which I like in theory. Sure. I just feel like it, it makes the combat encounters a lot less enjoyable. Um, there's also stuff like, can I just talk about the clip thing real quick? Just before yeah, please. we move on. I, I've played a few like real quote unquote realistic shooters that do this where you lose the ammo. If you go to reload, if you haven't fired off all your bullets, you just lose whatever was in the clip. And in every other scenario, I've always found it to be a major pain in the ass. In this scenario, the very cool thing about this that I realize is not for everyone, but for me, what I found myself doing was, okay, I'm going down a hallway. There might be an encounter coming up. I look, literally look down at my clip and I see I've got three shots left in this clip. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, am I going to make a decision right now where I lose these three shots forever um, to not have do to a reload. full clip reload. Yeah. And I think those decisions are like really interesting just from a game design standpoint. Like it's interesting to force the player to like decide between those two choices. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I, I think I think there's absolutely merit to that. If it felt better in the moment, like if I felt like I had a lot more control mm. over uh, uh, one is placement. You can teleport in this game. In fact, I think sure. it's the the main way you, you know, I it's think the, it's the default, default yeah. method of method of moving around that's a really weird fit for like a survival horror vibe that a lot of this game is going for where you don't know if someone can get to you or not or if you can just like teleport past an enemy um there was a lot of that that felt really weird where i'd like run up to try to drop a gas canister or something and it like have to you know chunk my way back around it just felt uh weird and bad the tentacles especially from the ceiling like not knowing uh, the ir- like so irritating to know if I was going to be stepping into one hmm. or not or trying to like work my way around and I'd get caught up on them uh, enough times where it just like it just like felt annoying like I, I don't know the, the any of the combat stuff for me just like really drove me away and when it takes you into like a more narrative thing um I I found it really cool hmm. uh but uh like talking to other characters you mean uh, well, like the there's bits of interstitial dialogue between you and um, Russell, uh, Russell, and then uh, the one bit where you, I, I don't know how to talk about it without, but but uh, <laughs> where b- right before you get the head crab to eat, 
Yes. Okay. So that, yes. Okay. That character. Yeah. So that's like cool as hell. Like being in the in in the world and not having to worry about like shooting people is great. You know what I think it is? I think that the stress of being in a VR and the stress of survival horror mechanics for me, mm. like the, just the two cancel each other out. Like they're two different kinds of stress that didn't like gel for me. Well, for I, get, me, I guess it's the best like, way. It's just not scary. It wasn't scary. Like, and so it, 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 I don't think it was necessarily successful as a survival horror game. For me, it felt like they were making a Half-Life game in the vein of the Half-Life games, which were more sort of, you know, shooter focus with scary moments but not yeah i would not call half-life 2 a survival horror game sure but then they realize like eh, this isn't working but there is a scarcity to the resources here that maybe we could kind of pitch it as a survival horror game and that's fine but like there's way too much repetition to be scary the 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 third hallway full of barnacles with their t- hanging tongues yes. that i came across i was like oh, okay I-, I get it and and i've i'm i'm on like chapter five or so right now and I'm, so you're I'm, past just just so i can uh without spoiling anything you're past like the flashlight sequence oh yeah 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 and you didn't find that no because it, it, even in the dark when you have a flashlight and you have a, a few bullets you're facing off against zombies with a head crab on them. Sometimes the head crabs have armor plating and sometimes the head crabs fall down and are alive. And sometimes the head crabs are stronger than usual. It's like fear, fear is predicated on the unknown and very quickly, like I knew what this game had. And that's not, that's not me like decrying the whole game as a failure, but it's not like it was, it, there has to be some element of fear. And I, I, I want to talk about the, the, the flashlight sequence because it's like, I my favorite thing that I've played in forever. Um, so the way that this sequence works is like you you learn all the basics of the video game, right? Like you learn how to do the reloading ammo. There's a um, kind of like the game's equivalent of the gravity gun, where your hand can attract objects to it. Um, yeah, so you can cool. collect ammo, or there's these resources that you can collect that are scattered throughout the environment. You've learned all the basics. Learn how to shoot a few things. Then you go into a pit, and there is a body hanging upside down that is has a flashlight on its chest. You rip the flashlight off. You attach it to your your whatever hand you're not using your gun in, effectively. Uh, so you have your gun on one hand. You have the flashlight on the other. The instinct here is that you now have to effect, hold your left hand under your right hand. You got to Jack Bauer it. Yeah, Jack yeah. Bauer it. The problem is, if you're also looking for resources, you have to use that other hand to then kind of scan for resources. So now it's no longer working quite as well. And things start blurring as to, like, what is what, Um, which can be annoying. I'm not surprised if people think this is annoying, but I I really loved it. You would go into one room that is under construction, and the scaffolding in the room looks almost identical to the tongues of the monsters that are on the Mm -hmm. ceiling. So you're like skimming the room to see like what is what there's a, a point where one of those tongue monsters picks up an exploding barrel and there is a head crab monster coming from right behind it and the question is like okay well, what do i do this room's full of explosives all together do i take out the thing that is on the ceiling so it drops the explosive barrel if i let it go too long is it going to blow up the entire room like mm-hmm. there, there i i just felt such tension there and yeah the, it's also gorgeous there's a part of with the the flashlight there are kind of like living i don't know like fungi on the walls that in dark are bioluminescent but when you shine a light on them they look separate so if you skim the light across you see them as like like a soft yellow or whatever in the corner and you skim your light on it and they look entirely different uh, because you're actually seeing inside of their bodies with the bioluminescence and like those yeah, touches i was really just is. the whole time i was just completely yeah. blown away by it i gotta say also about resource management this is personal but i feel like if you're going to severely limit uh bullets you gotta have a good melee option that okay uh, and that is that's like that's my big thing with the game i think like, i think i probably would enjoy all of it more if i'm like you know what i'm gonna i, I can save my bullets i can handle this one guy mm-hmm. without and it's like like fuck like okay i'll give you when you get the you get a shotgun and you get the guys walking around with the head crabs on their faces there's a very satisfying like one shot you get close enough to him you risk the danger of getting close enough yeah. to him right and you take the shotgun shot and you blow the head crab off their face and they go down awesome then you have to let the head crab is fine so you have to get switch to your smaller gun and then annoyingly shoot the head crab three times it's like 
That, what, that, how is that enjoyable? Right. Head crabs yeah. are, have always been garbage. The, Give me a fucking crowbar the, or something. It, mix it up. Make it a fucking pry bar. Just, or make it a wonder the, bar. A, a very quick a, point, a and then I, I really want to hand this off to Griffin because I know he has a lot of feelings about this in Boneworks. But something for that I love about this game is everything that I and Fresh like about it, I think are what y'all don't like. And everything you don't like are what I love. Like that, that like having to like quick switch to the pistol and like ice a thing like on the ground before it has a chance to like roll over and attack me was amazing to me, which is, I, I just think that's like, that's, I don't know if we've come across many games like that where things that are re- like just the negatives for half of us are the positives and likewise. Like, I, I just think that's strange. Uh, that's yeah, that's cool. fine, but like, I, I, <laughs> No, I mean, it just, for me, it reads as, like, inconsistency. And that is, that is like, the biggest, most disappointing thing, right? You talk about Half-Life 2 being this, like, physics, like, reinvention. Like, you talk about Half-Life 2 being this this checkpoint in the development of, like, 3D gaming of that. They they changed everything with that game. And that's a huge part of Valve's, like, whole ethos. And it's the reason we haven't gotten Half-Life 3 is because... They, they've said, like, you know, we don't want to just make another Half-Life game. We don't want to just make another shooter. Like, we want it to change shit. And I do not think that Half-Life Alex pulls that off. I think that it has done a lot of stuff to make... I think there's been a lot of consideration put into it to make it a game that people... Uh, it is a more comfortable VR game to play. Sure. Comfort is, like, an actual sort of, like, measurement of, of VR games. Uh, and I know this is something that Russ struggles with, and it's not a read on Russ, but, like... Uh, you move very fucking slowly in this game. Even if you use the the uh, movement stick option like a regular shooter, which is what I used, you move very, very, very slowly. Uh, you you fall. probably move slower if you're walking, right? Because teleporting, no, yeah. You can because move I tell, I would just uh, yeah. So eventually, I just got to the point where I was like, boop, teleport, 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 right, right, teleport, right. teleport. Yep. You also fall very slowly, which is like wild. It's wild to me. How do you fall? you can fall you can walk off an edge of a thing there is a there's a moment in the game where you're reaching out for someone's hand as they're hanging from a cable and it's during like a cutscene sort of thing so when you're reaching out you're on the edge of this bridge and there's no railing and but you can't go over there's like an invisible wall keeping you from going over so i'm reaching out for this guy's hand trying to grab him then he falls oh no but then he's saved at the last second and at some point during that cutscene, after he falls, the invisible wall just disappears. So I'm reaching out for this dude's hand, and I look up, and he's saved. And they're talking to me like, okay, you have to get to the vault. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And my finger accidentally <laughs> nudges the button. And my point of view just goes, boop. And I fall very slowly like Mary Poppins. And then the screen goes dark. And I hear Russell like, Alex, Alex. And I'm like, did I just fucking die? And it's like, all the work that you put into making it, like, you can pick up a bucket and catch a head crab in it. Like, all of that work that you put into like the the physical realism of this world mm-hmm. that consistency like for me shatters in a case like that or a case like there's little things too like you pick up an open can right and then you pick up like i don't know a screwdriver or something and you think like oh i'm gonna put this screwdriver in this can but like the top of it is like an invisible shield is on there mm-hmm. so that it doesn't actually interact like a certain object doors are a fucking crapshoot if you anybody oh else on this call can tell me what happens when you get to the top of a ladder like, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. You climb to the top of a ladder, and then you just kind of wait there, and then you teleport up, and now you're on top of the ladder. Wait, you mentioned Boneworks, and, like, it I is... I didn't have I, the issue with a ladder. I don't know what I, is, I can, you, I can get Opening to the, the doors is garbage. You're like, I. why do I have to get out of the way of... I have to get out of the way of the pretend door right. in my house. I agree with my, the door. This is, I own this building that <laughs> right. I'm in, so like, right? This is my home. This door is fucking pretend. Yes. I shouldn't have to move my physical meat carapace around <laughs> to get around an imaginary pretend door. It sucks. You know what I want to do? I want to open the fucking door. I don't want to mire this. We've gone long already, so like I don't want to mire this whole conversation and like being VR snobby, but like I've played a lot at this point. I played Boneworks earlier this year and it blew me the fuck away because that did for me, that invented a a framework for physical interactions in a VR space in a way that I that Half-Life 2 did and that I thought Half-Life Alex would. In Boneworks you can climb up onto like any ledge if you can get your hand up over it and you can like somehow physically pull yourself up and like pull your there's a button to like crouch and pull your legs up. You literally have to go through the motions to do that. In Half-Life Alex you put your hands on the rungs of the ladder and then you get to the top and then you just kind of boop up to the top and it's like these are minor arguments but it's the it's the kind of thing that when you are trying to create like a a tangible real feeling world 
that it is a it is a a failing and enough of those add up to sort of like shatter it for me and i just eventually like i just wanted to know that i wasn't being an asshole about this and i went back and replayed some of boneworks and it's just night and day also in boneworks like there's a million different weapons there is physical combat in half-life alex when you like pull the pipe out of the the door Mm -hmm. and then there's a zombie there and then i swung the pipe at him and he just kind of it just kind of like went through him like i was like i'm not gonna I don't know that I'm going to be into this. This is fucking Half-Life. And I can't hit a thing with a crowbar-shaped object. I do, I do. I would say this though about Boneworks specifically, and I do, th- I, and I appreciate the like level of uh, that realism that you're talking about. 100% accurate. They put like so much effort into making Boneworks. Like everything you pick up, you can pry things off the walls and like use all sorts of physics. You can in stab Boneworks. a thing into a thing, and then when you try totally. to pull it out, 100%. like you feel the resistance. Like yeah. I think there is an element, and this and this runs through all of Valve's stuff, where they pull punches in the name of, as you said, accessibility, comfort, um, and stuff like that. So, so the reason you can't necessarily why they didn't design it to have that much like infinite possibility, um, I think was an in, was in the name of accessibility. Now, that doesn't excuse things like I th- I agree with you. I think you should be able to bash something with a pipe or stab something with a knife in this game. I don't think there's a reason you can't. Um, But I think predominantly like this was designed in the way that like Portal 2 was designed as a thing that like everyone who puts on the helmet can play and get through it and experience it and appreciate the storyline without having to worry about nausea or mastering like complex like controls or anything like that. Because I've tried Boneworks like it is not an easy game to pick up. Like it's no. cool when it you warns know... you at the front of the game. Like this is an expert level VR. Totally, one hundred percent. And I think they're just two different. Like I think it's the difference the between Disneyland and like a paintball park. <laughs> like <laughs> like a ton of money went into this very linear but incredibly purposeful world. You feel like you're in the experience, but there's not a whole lot you can do outside of what they demand of you. Versus. Mm-hmm something like Boneworks where it's like, I don't know, man. Like, it's like a renegade paintball park where they're like, you bring your own gear. We don't care. You know, we, we set up some obstacles. If you end up killing each other, can you call 911 because uh, we don't own a phone. I don't want to, I don't want to be an asshole again, but actually Boneworks has a fucking cool story with like, it's better in every way. I mean, the story, the tone is more consistent than, than Half-Life. And like, like, you can talk about like Half-Life, they, they designed it to be accessible. That's fine. But like, that physical being able to hit something with a thing and have it hurt that thing that's not an accessibility thing that's like we couldn't figure out how to make melee combat feel good so there just isn't any also if you're not gonna have melee combat in the game the gunplay should be fun and like in this game I'm very deep in it now and I have shotgun and I have pistol and so when I'm walking around the world I find shotgun ammo pistol ammo or these little resin spheres that you need fucking 50 of in order to like make your gun a little bit better or sometimes there's a little canister with a worm that gets gooshed up and then you inject that right into your hand I guess yeah um, pretty cool city that you have going on there it's it's it, I I I, it is an accessible game. It is. I would. You know. There's no argument there. It is more accessible than Boneworks, but it can also be accessible and still be fun and feel good. Fun. And I don't. I just don't. I. And I. I think the reason that I have a uh, like this is so wild for me is it is another sort of instance uh, that I've had so many times in the past couple of years where like this game is getting tens, tens, tens across the board, and I'm like, I don't. Re- wow. I just don't. I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. I think we can all agree, though, uh, ahead of our B section, uh, Half-Life Alex, 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. (laughs) 10 out of 10. It's settled. Uh, We're going to take a break, and then we'll be right back with more video games. That's our thing. That's our whole thing. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details, and all of a sudden... They're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You're going to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket? 
pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw dropping monthly bills, the unexpected overages. Sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. I feel frustrated talking about this VR stuff. I feel like we're still developing a vocabulary. There's like a weird gulf that I feel like we don't have the words to like express like why it is or isn't working for individual people it's it's weird to talk about yeah i I think it's just so super early still there's a new box next to fun factor and it's like (laughs) yeah it's like stab factor the stab (laughs) realism quotient honestly if they cut the ceiling things i'd probably go up two points i just i think it's so irritating um (laughs) it's oh god uh so hey we wanted to talk about franchises let me frame it Half-Life has been long dormant uh, for a decade or so, and then it, it, it came back from the dead, and we thought we'd go around the table and talk about games that we'd love to see, franchises that we'd love to see make a big comeback. Okay. Uh, the long, past, long, long past due. Yeah, so um, when I was in high school, the computer had two, um, the, the library computer had two games installed on it. Oregon Trail, but like an old version that didn't really run as well. And the other one was Snood. 
Now, I don't know how many people remember Snood. Snood. <laughs> Snood was a bubble, uh, what was it, puzzle bobble or w- like one of those types of games where you match three and you shoot goofy uh, aliens. It's just like you thought that our Half-Life discussion wasn't going to be alienating enough to our younger listeners. So you're like, snood, let me swing snood, in here snood. with some Snood. <laughs> uh, now, who am I? I'm not a game designer. I don't. I can't tell you how to update Snood, but... There's got to be a way to do it. And I honestly think there's a demand for it, whether it's on mobile, <laughs> whether it's a VR experience, whether it's, I mean, I think we could do like a mashup Half-Life Snood mashup. They did a Peggle mashup with Half-Life. What's stopping them from doing Snood? A Snood Half-Life. Yeah. Did, by the way, Russ, did you know, great news if you didn't know this, uh, there was a Snood 2 that came out on Nintendo DS in 2005, and it is called Snood 2 colon On Vacation. So you can just go play that if you wanted to. Wait, wait, wait. They were working before? It's What? In Snood 1, they were, like, <laughs> yeah, working? That was, a, that was their office. That's their fucking job, is they got to shoot themselves at other ones of themselves of the same color so that they can finally die. And then they get paid, I guess? Wow. I want that job. That's fun. It's like you don't even know about the economy. I guess I don't. <laughs> Griffin, what about you? Uh, mine is uh, a fighting game that I did not realize how much I missed it until one Chris Plant uh, had some some folks over to his place to play uh, a, an evening's worth of it. And that game is Bushido Blade. Uh, that franchise is Bushido Blade. What do we play? Bushido Blade 2? Two. two. Is that what we dipped Choose into? The, yeah. yeah, two is one. Two shit hot. It's got like so many, so many weapons and things like that. I just like... Uh, I like fighting games conceptually, like a whole lot, uh, but I don't like playing them <laughs> uh, for the most part, just because like uh, I will try and I will, you know, buy a stick and buy the game that everybody's talking about and try and play it and then just realize like, ah, I'm shitty at this. And this is like, a, it uses a type of, you know, gaming language that I just don't understand. And it, 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 you know, they, the matches take so long and I want, Bushido Blade is just like, you fucking run at each other and it, it, there's a moment or two of precision required and then like someone is like, their arm has been chopped off. It's the one hit kill fighting game, correct? The one hit kill fighting game is shit hot. Uh, obviously, I guess Dive Kick is the spiritual successor, but I want something obviously a little bit beefier than that. Uh, shout out though to Deadliest Warrior, the yeah. licensed fighting game that came one out. One and two. Uh, one and two, yeah, they're both fucking fun. They they are they wow. based based yeah. on the what USA TV show or something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, I remember playing that at a convention. Like I got like a, I think it was five oh five games or something like that. I like got an appointment that I was like not so psyched for. And then these dudes like had me play deadly the deadliest warrior game, and I was like, "Yo, hey, is this Bushido Blade?" And they're like, "Yeah, man, we made a Bushido Blade." And I was like, what? <laughs> "Yeah." Nobody told us we couldn't, so we just did it. Yeah. How do they explain away the like? This guy has an assault rifle. This guy has like a pole. Oh axe. no, I mean it was all like melee. It was. Oh all okay. Melee uh, yeah, I mean that's a fun formula for a game. I'm like amazed that there are not more of it. Let me do mine real quick because it's genius. Fucking <laughs> listen. Uh huh. I want to say, hold on. I want to get the video chat window back up so I can see your guys' faces. Mm. Dino Crisis VR. <laughs> I mean, how is it Listen, different from Dino Crisis? The scale. Because it's in VR, it's in you fucking, VR. fucking idiot. <laughs> Didn't you hear the two letters I said after Dino Crisis? <laughs> yeah, okay. The real answer of my heart would be Legacy of Kane. Yeah. But I was thinking about, I mean, Legacy of Kane is a franchise that, like, there's very little affinity for. They actually tried to do random, uh, like a. Oh, uh, Bud Noskoth? Th- you don't love Nosgoth. Bud, you're not still uh, playing Nosgoth? <laughs> <laughs> Which should have worked. Uh, but I'd love to see the Legacy of Kane franchise come back. Um, it's weird that it hasn't. But I feel like I was thinking about that, like the Resident Evil remakes that we get and then they put in VR. But like the idea of like doing a survival horror game and being able to live out like the like hiding in a cupboard from a dinosaur that's walking around the room with you. That would be it would be good as hell. Oh, yeah. That'd I was thinking really Dino Crisis is the light gun game, but I guess not. No, no, no. It's the Resident Evil, but instead of zombie dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Got it. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna spam you with a few because Bushido uh, Blade was, was my option. And oh, Griffin did I steal it yours? And, it's, I'm sorry. and it's the best option. Uh, but here are some things that I would like to see uh, come back. Uh, Chibi Robot. Where's it at? Oh yeah. Mario Golf. Uh, uh, Camelot. Oh. New Mario Golf. Where? They where's keep that? Trying at? and not making but good yeah, but ones. It's, it was like 2014 was the last time we got one. Uh, here's the big one that will never happen. WWE All-Stars, the GHQ Xbox 360 generation wrestling game in which you can fly 40 feet into the air as your created wrestler and and just absolutely dunk a mega-juiced Hulk uh, Hogan through the floor. (laughs) Why can I not do that every generation of video games? 
And then, like, a very easy one is SSX, but controversial take, a sequel to the Xbox 360 era game, which I love. I'm the only Wait, person which, on the planet. Oh, what? Just the reboot? Oh, I loved it. It's okay. so good. I would do I, Tricky, which is the only one that deserves uh, <laughs> rebooting or remaking. Yeah, Tricky is tremendous. It's um, no steep, though. Um, we have a few minutes, I guess, to talk about what else we've been playing. And I know Chris and I have been dipping into uh, Persona 4. Five, the Royal. Uh, do you have any salient thoughts about? It? I'm, I I just finished the first dungeon, so you may be further than I am. I I really wish I had more to offer other than more Persona Five is good and how nice it is to revisit this game, especially right now. I think Persona, ever since I got into it, is kind of like Animal Crossing for me yeah. in that it's it, it is a perfect escape game. Um, it just feels like you get to visit somewhere nice where things are chill um you go outside and there are like hundreds of people and everything is like <laughs> cool yeah um so i i don't have a whole lot to say about like what's new here um I, i'm sure you can probably speak to that better than i can but it, i would say that if hey if you were hesitant about persona and you've been thinking about giving it a try now is a great time to get into yeah. a 140 hour uh, <laughs> JRPG that is really accommodating. I mean, this is the friendliest, I think, uh, JRPG, barring, you know, we'll see how the Final Fantasy VII remake is. Yeah. I'm sure that will be pretty friendly too. I, I think it's pretty great. I, I had some issues with Persona 5 just because, uh, in comparison to Persona 4, like, I love the tone and the setting of that game a whole lot more. Like, I love the sort of chill rural slow paced vibe uh and like the aesthetic of persona 5 i think is like pretty uh you know pretty solid and they've done like a really good job of fleshing that out but it just didn't like hit for me as well and i don't know that necessarily persona 5 like fixes a lot of that stuff like as far as i can tell the localization hasn't been changed and there was some rough spots in in said localization and like the characters are still like not my favorite characters but my feelings about Persona 5 were that, like, the gameplay itself was so fucking fun and so much better than Persona 4 was. And that is where, uh, from what I've played so far, like, where most of the emphasis has gone. Uh, there's just so much cool shit with the combat that has been added. Um, there are, like, exploding enemies now that you'll run into where if you hit them and knock them out in one shot, they'll explode and hurt, like, everybody else in the party. So now, like, the battles are even more of a puzzle to, like, figure out how to like baton pass and like get everything going without the enemies taking a single turn. Um, And there's like challenge fights where you go for a high score, like just trying to keep your chain going like that. They've done like a ton of smart stuff gameplay wise. And maybe we'll have like more to talk about, like once we played a little bit more uh, because so far that's like all I've seen. But I think most of like the new story stuff and character development stuff and writing stuff, which is like what I want out of this comes later because they've added like a whole nother semester to the game. And they've added a whole nother character who I've only had sort of glancing interactions with. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what Chris said, if you've never played a Persona game, like Persona 5 The Royal is, it seems like a pretty good place to start mm. and you're going to get your money's worth. It seems like a lot of reading, uh, a lot of reading. Sure. But I mean, it's a JRPG. if you don't want to read, don't play it. That's a good, thank you, Russ, for pointing that out. <laughs> you're sometimes, welcome. Sometimes you don't like things and then you shouldn't do those things if you don't like them. So like if Agreed. the oven Great is, point. if the stovetop is on and it's hot, don't put your hand on it. This is a mm-hmm. PSA from Russ Frustick. If there's a type of, <laughs> say you don't like eating broccoli, then don't eat the broccoli. And this is just more wisdom from Russ Frustick. <laughs> probably eat broccoli, whether you like you it You should not. eat broccoli. It's got iron and shit. Juice, are you playing um, anything? No, not really. Boneworks is very good. I, we just kind of glanced off it, but I want—I I, I completely missed it. Um, it's really good. Like, if you want to play something, uh, not in—I'm—I'm I'm not comparing it to Half Life currently, but just taking it on its own merits. It's this really genius idea of putting the VR aspects of it at the absolute forefront, and tonally, it's uh, fantastic. It feels like you still can't teleport, right? No, can't teleport. There's a no, his- I will say that. It is a little bit of a shame that, that something this cool is like uh hampered by the fact that like I, oh. I got nauseous playing it and I don't ever get nauseous in VR ever. And I'm this is a uh nigh universal experience. The Steam forums are equally split between people saying, This made me sick and I've never been sick. Yeah. And people saying, 
No, it didn't. Yeah. Just try <laughs> it harder. It didn't make me sick. <laughs> the game opens up with a museum of VR innovations, it, like showing so, you how to play the game. It's so fucking funny. And the first thing you see is a exhibit about teleportation and it's a caveman with a spear, like a robot caveman, like hunting a tiger, like teleporting forwards. And a little voice is like, in the past, we were restricted to uh, short, short form <laughs> teleportation. That shit's hysterical. You're such assholes, guys. The fact of the matter is there's a reason teleportation is a thing because most people can't play your game. Yeah, but those who can. If 50% of people are getting nauseous playing your game, there's a reason teleportation exists. They're like ignoring the reason for it to even be. I I think the reason also the Half-Life comparisons come up so much is that there are head crabs in these games, but in, in Boneworks, but it's a VR helmet with sentient legs that jumps on you and tries to pull itself over your head so that it traps you in... A virtual environment which is a yeah. fucking cool idea <laughs> but also you can grab them out of the air and like grab another one and slam them together until they die and, i just oh. want to be able to do that stuff like why can't i do that stuff and ignore the walking parts like that's what i don't understand i think that's completely fair yes. i don't i i'm not stringent about this i'm just saying i i wish it didn't make me sick either i don't like puking all over my floor <laughs> someone should come clean this up no one will come <laughs> Plant, you have anything? Yeah, I have a few uh, reader submissions. I asked for feedback on Half-Life and VR from Alex Murphy. Uh, I always th- what? Probably from not. Alex. <laughs> it's a different last name. <laughs> oh, I, I always, I always thought of VR as an isolating activity, but playing Job Simulator drunk in front of a group of friends felt strangely like doing a solo improv performance. Loved it. Mm. Uh, and from at Slipper Jam. My cat Angus wanted to play with the dangling wrist straps on my controllers and decided to jump at them just as a head crab leaped at me. I just about threw him. I'm not sure how Valve trained my cat to make Alex more immersive and make sure he is out of the room while I play now. I feel like that I've heard that a version of that anecdote from many people that uh, pets are the most dangerous thing to uh, to have in your house <laughs> while playing VR. Yeah, well, or I, a three-year-old, I would also oh, argue, no. is not the best. But yeah. I, I mean, yeah. My wife scared the living fuck out of me yesterday while I was playing Half-Life Alex. So, yeah, it really doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> well, well, we, um, we uh, we all have to go to the bathroom so bad. So uh, this together. is the end of the show. Next week, yeah, we all go together. We have a four-hole tour. <laughs> uh, next week, we're going to talk about Resident Evil 3. So uh, any specific prompts for us? Anything you'd like to hear from people? I've never like, played it. I've never played that one. I'd so love to know to the most underappreciated Resident Evil game. Because there are a Ooh, lot yeah, that's to a good one. from. There's a lot. Um, and, and a justification. Um, <laughs> We would ask that you follow and listen for free on Spotify. If you want to share the show, you can use the link besties.fan. You can email us, mail at besties.fan. And you can follow uh, us on Twitter, at thebestiespod. If you want to join our mailing list, where you'll be the first to learn about what we're doing in future episodes and any merch, you can uh, join that. It is the pinned tweet on the, uh, the Twitter feed. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us for free on Spotify. As I said before, and be sure to join us again next time for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? is a Spotify original podcast in association with Vox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!